I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, everyone. Holla, folks. Holla. This is the first time we've actually recorded together in a while. I know. I, I was looking at our calendar because you were gone, I was gone, and we had been in a couple weeks. And now you're a mother. I'm a mother. And she got the cutest puppy. Go to our Instagram and see photos of the puppy. It's a ridiculously she adorable. It's like the best thing that ever happened to me. I when well, I, I thought him, I was. You are as well. <laughs> he's runner up. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Just he looks like good. a muppet, and he's going to weigh about five pounds, maybe, and he's two and a half pounds right now. And he's you're his like auntie. Do you love him? I thought I was the godmom. You're the doggy godmother. I'm full of disappointment. <laughs> no, you are, but you can't change his name to Winston if you t- are his doggy godmother. Okay, then I'll be taking the doggy godmother, and I will call him Legend by his name. You can be like, what's up, Ledge? Leggy McBeagleson. Yeah, there you go. Leggy McBeagleson, the cutest dog I know. Oh, All right, everyone. Sad. This is an episode about sex, not just about puppies, and this is probably as close to being an uh, actual parent as April will be, although she is kind of uh, playing stepmom right now. Stepmonster. Say so you're a stepmonster. You're an awesome stepmom. <laughs> um, Chip. Tell our listeners, we have a... Okay, first of all, this episode, by the way, how great is the title? Oh. How to eat pussy like a champ? And how great was it actually recording with her? She's we have had her before. She was great. We yeah. wanted her back because she has so much amazing information. She's a doctor, mm-hmm. and the title is pretty epic. Everyone wants to know, even if you don't like eating pussy, I want to know how to eat pussy like a champ, even though I don't eat pussy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I do want to now. And I feel like I was not a pussy-eating champ before, and now I feel like I have some skills after recording this that would help me become a better pussy eater. And, and you've eaten some pussy. I have. Yeah. A few. Some. A couple, a couple of the pussies. Speaking of pussy eating, no, more or less speaking of orgasms, we are on tour and we are teaching a class in the flesh in Grover Beach, California. If you don't know where Grover Beach is, it's central California, beautiful area. We will be at Diamond Adult World in Grover Beach, June 28th. And we are teaching a really cool class. Sex oral sex for everyone. Yeah. But it also includes some Which is perfect for, for this podcast. It is, really. <laughs> oral sex 101. Oh, yeah. Orgasms are definitely a part of that. So if you want to get tickets, just uh, you can go to diamondadult.com and get tickets there. It's basically, I think, 25 bucks. So check it out. And they get a $20 gift card. And you get a $20 gift card to yeah. spend on products or Woo-hoo. lube or toys or anything. Come so. visit us. Yes. Learn in person. Um, everyone, guess what? We have a really awesome testimonial that I'd like to read. We received this email the other day from someone who listened to our Satisfied Mama episode with Dana Myers. Uh, and I love this. So this, I'm just, I have to read you this testimonial. We love testimonials from folks. Uh, we recommend you can email them or you can also write reviews about us on iTunes. Uh, we please, love please write us a review on iTunes, actually. We, we lo- love them. Yeah. 
We have some, um, some haters that, <laughs> that actually have been sending out the hate, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, yes. and we will never please anyone. Well, this is the thing. Everyone. We listen. We read on, We read them. We do. And our hearts get a little hurt when someone says, these girls are really annoying and make me want to jump off a bridge, but we realize that person's probably also just having a bad day, and we're not their cup of tea. That's fine. What we did read so was someone said that we were getting a little obnoxious with our uh, promotions and our ads, and I actually did want to comment on that real quick. Yeah. We, we do this mostly for free. Most of the money that does come in from the people that actually pay us money goes to just growing our podcast. And you all get to listen to it for free. So here's the thing is that we do need to do these things. But yes, you are correct. We have been spending too much time on promoting some of the brands that are supporting our podcast. So we are listening. We're reading these reviews. We're taking the feedback. We're actually shortening uh, some of the advertising that we do and what we are going to do once a month is offer a podcast that is ad free once a month so now you're getting four to five podcasts a month you also will get a fifth or sixth one that will have no ads too so we are listening we love your reviews and we in pay order attention to, and to keep this free for you we yeah. have to do this y'all yeah. and we need to eat too so please understand yeah well and Podcasts have a little overhead, so yeah, they do. <laughs> we, we want better do. equipment so we can sound better. Yeah, we're gonna get new mics. Oh, I have an idea about that, but I okay. won't put it on here right now. Cool. Okay, <laughs> testimonial. Your recent mama podcast was fabulous, all in caps. As a mom of, of a four-year-old, I resonated with a lot of what was said. Early postpartum was a scary drop in libido, zero, that I had never experienced before. Once I got the green light for resuming sex, I still didn't feel like it. Like it, And worse was I didn't feel connected to my body. It seemed like I couldn't talk to my uterus or vagina or anything down there anymore. But I knew sex felt good logically in my head. I just knew sleep sounded better. The first time we tried was slow and too painful. Determined, I wrote vagina exercises on my to-do list. Every day when my baby napped, I'd find a way to self-pleasure. I made sure to slowly explore internally until I found the sensitive parts, then massaging it out. It took a couple weeks, but we were able to have sex again and felt good, and it's gotten so much better since then. Finally, at four months, I feel as though I can identify as mom, but also as myself, my old sexual self, and I feel like I've retrained my libido. So thank you for the podcast so other mamas out there can regain their sexy. I love that. That's so sweet. I did get a few text messages from my mama friends about this podcast. I'm not on it. Uh, but they were like, oh, my God, that was an amazing episode. Wish you were on it. But it was yeah. so good. Dana's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was really awesome. And we definitely need to, I think, also tap into our mamas out there. So that's mamas, great. Yeah, go check it out if you uh, haven't listened to us, the Satisfied Mama episode that was done right before Mother's Day. Um, okay, so I have a sex question as well. We're going to get in the podcast, but I have a sex question that I would like to read from an anonymous listener. Chip, are you ready? I'm totally ready. So from an anonymous listener, they are asking, I have been with my boyfriend for about one year and recently I've become stressed out about what girls he may be looking at on social media. I haven't talked to him about this because I know that it's irrational. We have had one breach in trust six months ago that involves social media, but since then he has given me no reasons to distrust him, and we put a large emphasis on communicating and being honest with each other. I know that porn and masturbation are a healthy part of or a part of healthy lifestyle. I don't watch porn, but I do masturbate. But I can't stop feeling jealous and down in myself at potential things he may be looking up. Any suggestions on how to get over this? Because I know it's not healthy. I'm not sure if this person is uh, going through his phone, which I would believe wouldn't be the best idea. You have to honor each other's privacy. Curious. Yes. I'm I, here. Let's let's talk about that first. It's, okay. okay. So let's talk about that. The okay. So here's the thing. 
you can go walk out down the street in a sexy outfit and all kinds of people can look at you and want to fuck you. And you can even have thoughts about wanting to fuck them, but it's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if my partner's like, you know, you better not go walk down the street in that sexy outfit because I know how guy men think, which I have heard men say those I comments have, before. Yeah, I have too. friends who have partners who say things like that. And then automatically I'm like okay that's great and I actually kind of like the idea that if I walk around some people think I'm sexy that's kind of awesome for me but why what it, how does that affect our relationship and you know what are am I going to go and I do you trust me because it's really about that it's the trust between us and this person is saying that there has been a little bit of a breach of trust related to an Instagram or online thing so um, my suggestion here is, is yeah, you know, jealousy and a lot of the insecurities that come up, they can be irrational and they're just, there's, they're also, it's not helpful to discredit them entirely and just try to be like, this is not, this is ridiculous that I feel this way. Um, but also to not give it so much energy that it runs the show. And so these are just things to bring to your partner to talk about instead of carrying and driving yourself crazy over this. And maybe this person, I'm not calling you crazy, but maybe it sounds like you're kind of stressed out about it. Um, so I suggest talking to your partner and not telling them exactly what to do. You don't go to someone and say, you're not allowed to go on Instagram. You're not allowed to look at other profiles. It's, that's not going to be helpful. They're going to feel controlled and like they don't have freedom. But if you go and say, hey, I want to talk to you about something, a fear that I have, and it feels pretty irrational to me, and you really haven't done a lot that has um, given me reason to have these fears, but I have these fears and I just want to out them to you so I'm not carrying all of it and driving myself crazy. Maybe we can create a safe space where we can talk about our fears, you know, our insecurities and things. Um, I have this fear that you're on Instagram looking at other women's profiles and that there's... And, you know, and I tell myself stories that you're wanting to date them or maybe you're contacting them and um, and it's something that I'm going through. And uh, and you could even ask them, too. You could say, is there any truth to that? Like, are you know, the, the part about wanting to date them or whatever that is. But but it's it's really a matter of just communicating that and not trying to pretend like you don't have these things while not becoming them and giving them so much energy. And if it's really important for you to be online looking at really beautiful things, check out omgs.com <laughs> backslash shameless and get $5 off and you can learn something in the process. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You are just so because hilarious. What if? Okay, so my thing is, too, I know, I really do think, though, that some people are just addicted to looking at beautiful things online, really. Totally. Like, I, I, and that's where this is coming from yeah. because if it is so, people, it's a digital age. Yeah. People are in their screens and it very well could be to the benefit of this person's doubt. It could be just he's digitally intrigued by looking at Instagram and pretty people, models, whatever it is. Uh, and that could be a helpful suggestion. Communicate as Amy's talking about mm-hmm. and say this is some, something's come up for me and uh, I want to be vulnerable with you and share that I maybe have a little bit of jealousy going mm-hmm. on. And then you could suggest too later on to be like, hey, what about looking at this together and we can learn something. And it's interactive and fun. Yes. And, so, and it's it's not just like a way to just look at vulvas. It's an educational thing. So yeah. here's what you could get out of it too is like, hey, Maybe you could look at this. We could look at this together, and then we can learn some techniques and try on my pussy. So, because I'm, I'm sure that this person's probably trolling a little bit. We all have friends that are total Instagram trolls. I mean, that are like it's an addiction for a lot it's of a serious addiction. Yeah. And if that's a thing, you can obsess and tell yourself a lot of stories and create this entire blown out thing. 
uh, that might not even be true. And it might be true. The thing is, you're in a relationship with this person. So figure out what boundaries are enough is enough for you. If that you're not comfortable with the amount of time he's spending on social media or the amount of I don't know, uh, cis women. He's felt, I have no idea what the, the actual hangup is because you weren't very clear on exactly what it is, but I'm assuming it's just some jealousy stuff, which is hard. Yeah. And, and I, jealousy is normal, right? It's, it's everyone, even like your most poly open people, they'll feel, they'll experience little, at least little bits of jealousy, maybe a lot of jealousy. It's, and it's what we do with it. It's how we tend to it and how we react to it. Uh, and it's when we try to hide it and pretend like all is well, when it's, not really feeling that way it can be make things more challenging and i just want to throw this out there to this person the things that they said about because they, they said porn but they weren't directly talking about porn but it seems like the idea of having your partner just look at other women it freaks you out and brings up a feeling in you that you're not enough um, and that's what they're probably saying is this irrational thing and uh, it, it becomes a very limiting world when uh we when people feel like they can't even look at other people and I personally think it is and this is what Sex at Dawn that book and what Wednesday Martin in her book Untrue and so much research has shown is that everyone's checking other people out yeah. whether you're madly in love with your partner and you're having amazing sex and people still look at other people and it doesn't mean anything about the relationship and so really when you're starting to feel these things of like oh my god what if he's you know watching porn and what if he's looking at Instagram and checking out these other women to tell yourself, okay, this it's not personal. And ask yourself, what is this coming from? Most likely, if you're living out of fear, then you're going to get those very fearful reactions. So ask yourself the deeper questions of what what are you afraid of? This has come up for me in my relationship. Mm. Full blown, I, you know, I have fear of losing my partner, not to someone better, to someone different, and, and having to rebuild, once again, what I've worked so hard um, and through so much hurt and, and heartache through my loss of my previous husband through divorce. Um, and that is my fear. Although I know deep inside that I would be just fine, but that's my fear. And I voiced that to him before. And I've kind of put the jealousy on simmer, if not low. So I, I leave space for it. I leave room for it and know that it actually is okay. And I try to address it with him in a way that... Um, is vulnerable. Yeah. And it actually is really powerful. Some people actually like the feeling of knowing that their partner's jealous of them. And I can't speak for everyone, but they're like, oh, wow, you really care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, wow, you actually care about me so much that you're scared of losing me. And so you can make jealousy hot. Mm -hmm. And it's like this feeling of like, I mean, I don't possess you. You're not, I don't own you, but like, I kind of have this this fear thing that comes up that makes me kind of want to. And we, how can we make that hot? Like Kristen from from uh, Fun Factory would oh, say yeah. it that way. How can you make it hot? This thing that's challenging. How can you actually turn it into a sexy thing? Totally. Um, so yeah, go uh, go and uh, have those hard conversations and um, and tell have different conversations with yourself when the stories come up about you not being enough. And I think it also speaks to deeper work for you, yeah. right? And it's not it's not just on your partner to stop looking at people. It's for you to probably do some work around finding more self love and not needing someone to fill that void for you by just looking at you and ask yourself those hard questions like where is this coming from go mm -hmm. deeper as yeah. amy said go deeper into the root of where that's coming from go deeper into the pussy yeah uh the, what she call it the 360 tunnel 360 of the tunnel pussy. Yeah. of the vaginal canal yes this 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 episode i tell you it's a great one and um, we get, I mean, we didn't talk about OMGS with with her, and OMGS doesn't do uh, anything about mouths on pussies yet. I'm sure that they will. 
Um, but as we talked about before, I'll just add one last piece to that. Their season two should be out now, and that is internal stimulation. Super yeah. exciting. If you want to learn more techniques, I'm going to leave it at that. Go to omgs.com backslash shameless, and Five you'll learn more. dollars off. One last thing before we read Allison's bio, because uh, it's a short one, and I just want to talk about Margins Wine. Not too much, just because you... You go on and marginswine.com and check it out for yourself. We love it for a reason. So go to marginswine.com, get the newsletter, get in the news. Of some delicious wine. All right, everyone. Dr. Allison Ash is a sex and intimacy coach and educator who helps her clients radically explore and courageously express themselves. Allie designs workshops and offers individuals and couples coaching to give others the tools to develop their desires and confidently pursue them. She invites you to turn on pleasure, intimacy, and love at turnon.love. Are you ready? I am. Was that not one of my better bios? That was though? great. I was waiting for you to say WWW. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, everyone, it is episode time. This is a return guest, uh, Dr. Allison Ash. I don't know the episode number, but did an episode on how to be an intuitive lover. And we loved recording with her so much that we are having her back. And actually, we talked about this when we were with her last time, um, because the title of this uh, episode slash workshop that she teaches is phenomenal uh how to eat pussy like a champ so i'm sure a lot of you are listening to this you specifically saw that and you're like i would need to listen to that episode well you you chose made the right choice so here we are with dr ellison ash ali ash uh happy to have you back on our show thanks for having me yay what uh, in april everyone april has a tiny puppy on her lap just so you all can get a feel for what's happening she got a new dog its name is legend AKA Winston. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a Muppet uh-huh. slash he is also considered to be a stuffed animal in some countries. Happy Mother's Day, April. Thank you. Late Mother's Day. Thank you, Amy. So, um, Dr. Allison Ash, can I call you Allie? <laughs> okay. So, Allie, what led you to teach a top-selling workshop called How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ? I'm sure there's a story in there. There is, in fact. How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ is a porn that is available on the internet. And there, it's a sex ed porn, meaning that they are trying to teach you something around sex education in the porn. And there's four educators. And the first one is Nina Hartley. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her body of work. Yeah, she's incredible. And she taught me more about my pussy than anybody ever had. I became a better masturbator from watching her on this. And then there were three men who followed and um, they just really didn't hold a candle to what she was teaching me. And uh, one of them, in fact, is Ron Jeremy. And so I highly recommend if you're listening and you watch How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ, the porn, just fast forward through that section. (laughs) But um, Nina was so inspiring to me that I had this fantasy of what it would be like to create a workshop that was led uh, by queer women who had the insider outsider perspective to champ quality pussy eating, meaning that we both love to receive it and love to give it, and h- how that per- unique perspective could really open up the topic in a way that I don't think it's been well addressed. Mm-hmm. I so when I because I, I teach you know or, orgasmic bliss 101, and part of it is like is how to pleasure pussy with hands, mouth, and things. 
and I also identify as painfully straight. So painful because it's so limiting. And, uh, and so, and I do feel that I'm like, you know, I'm teaching you about this. I've had my pussy in many a time, but I've actually never put my mouth on a pussy. I've used, I put hands on pussies and there's part of it. I'm like, okay, do I need to do that? So I can actually feel like I'm more in alignment with what I teach. And I don't think I have to do every single thing that I talk about, but I do appreciate that, that you're coming from that perspective. I think there's something to be said about that. April, April's dog has a little cough right now. Um, I love that. And so let's talk about eating pussy like a champ. You, in your workshop, talk about five central tenets of champ quality pussy eating. What are those? Yeah. Well, the first one is that all pussies are different and a pussy might like different things at different times. So it's really honoring the fluidity of desire. And I talk about all of these different techniques you can use to figure out what any particular pussy might be wanting on any particular day, because I know at least for myself, what I want today is not necessarily the same thing that I wanted yesterday or will want tomorrow. And also, I really like naming this because I think it takes the pressure off of the giver to have to know what every single person they're pleasuring wants, uh, because I think that it's a fallacy to assume that because you've eaten X number of pussies, you will know what the next pussy wants. And so one technique that I offer that I do pretty much every time I'm pleasuring a pussy is something I call the ruler. The wooer. The ruler. A ruler. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yes. What's this? <laughs> so the way that the ruler works is if and when a pussy is ready for penetration, you would put one or two fingers uh, slowly uh, and deeply inside the pussy, making sure that there's enough lubrication. And you slowly pull out along the top of the pussy. So 12 o'clock if the pussy is a clock towards the pubic bone. And you allow the receiver to say, ooh, there. Ooh, ooh, there. And the receiver is identifying for the giver which spots are most sensitive on that day. Because sometimes somebody wants it more shallow around the entrance, or maybe they want it around the G spot, or maybe they want deeper stimulation around the cervix. And oftentimes, where somebody wants stimulation will change throughout the course of a pussy eating session because as the pussy gets more and more turned on, things shift and move. For example, the cervix will distend into the vaginal canal, making it more accessible, which can make stimulation of the cervix feel more pleasurable when there's more turn on. And so this is a great technique to just also encourage communication and have the receiver start to realize that their role is an active one not just a passive one. So I noticed that you said when the pussy is ready or wanting penetration, um, and I'm, I guess I'm, a, I, I'm curious if you can elaborate on that more. How, and, and yes, we know communication, of course, but what is your advice for someone to know when, when, is, when is their own pussy ready or want, how do they know that their pussy wants more and how does a giver know? Yeah, well, you just really set me up for the second tenant, which is <laughs> communication plus co-exploration create pleasure loops. And so um, I'm going to sneak this, the answer to your question in here. I think that because every pussy is different, there is no hard, fast rule. Um, the next tenant is slow it down. I'll just tell you what they are so that you can see where I'm heading. The fourth one is know how and when to ramp it up. And the fifth one is mix it up. 
So in Slow It Down, in Know How and When to Ramp It Up, I talk a lot about how to ground, connect, affirm, tease, all the different kinds of foreplay that you can use, how to turn the brain on so that you can stimulate the internal clitoris, all the different hand moves and tongue moves. So I just can give you a whole array of, of what you could put in your sexual repertoire. But in terms of knowing, it's... Um, it's about attunement. It's about, which we talked a lot about and how to be an intuitive lover mm. and asking. And so oftentimes when I'm pleasuring a pussy, I'll start with, uh, once I've done kind of the foreplay and I'm ready to focus on the pussy, I'll start by massaging because massage brings a lot of blood flow to the area. So a little bit of anatomy for the listeners out there, the clitoris is on average about five inches long. And most of that is internal. Most of it's inside the body. And it wraps around the entire length of the vaginal canal, such that every time somebody is being penetrated, it's actually stimulating the internal part of the clitoris. And so I think that a camp quality pussy eating session is one in which the internal clitoris is really getting stimulated. And that happens through blood flow. So when blood flows to the pussy because somebody is turned on, that creates pressure and pulsates the internal clitoris, which I don't know if you've ever had that throbbing feeling. I call it female blue balls. It's like, oh, I just need to get fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's your internal clitoris being stimulated by your own body. And so um, turning the brain on is a really helpful way to create blood flow to the area as is massage. Any good massage therapist will tell you that. So I'm often massaging the thighs, the hips, the butt, the outer labia, the inner labia. I think that not very many people are massaging the labia and that can feel quite good. Mm -hmm. um, and often pleasuring with lube or with saliva and my tongue uh, until I'm noticing that the pussy is producing enough self-lubrication, enough wetness that um, that's kind of often an indication that maybe penetration might be something that could be on the table soon. Though that's also not a hard and fast rule because there's so many factors like age and biological factors and hydration that can impact how wet somebody might be. This is the reason why we love our lubricant because you never know. And there's the thing, yes, when someone is aroused that may uh, lead to more lubrication. And like you're saying, there's so many other factors at play that they could be super aroused and not have the lubrication. And, and so there's that arousal non-concordance um, when the body is not uh, necessarily perfectly resembling what the arousal experience is. And it usually doesn't, as is the case with erections. They happen just for no reason sometimes. Um, and this is why, everyone, we love Uber Lube. We talk about it all the time. Uh, but it's one of our favorite lubricants. And it's also great for pussy eating because it has no flavor and no scent. So it feels kind of like natural on the skin. stays really silky, never gets sticky. It's long lasting, no flavor, no scent. Uh, and a little bit goes a long way. If you haven't tried it, we recommend it. Go to uberlube.com. Use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX in all caps. You all get 10% off and free shipping. Shameless promotion for our favorite lubricant ever. So, Allison, I, yeah, I definitely am huge myself on oral. Always have been. It actually, because I uh, hadn't had a lot of partners in my 20s, um, with, you know, the penis and vagina sex or, um, partners, even like cis women that I had hooked up with, 
um, I had had a lot of oral from different people. So I became, I felt like a judge of, of um, what felt good to me and what didn't. So that's me though, personally. And I have so many friends that do not like oral. They're, they're like, no way. I hate oral. I'm just like, get out. I don't want anybody down there. So my question to you is, um, I'm sure you have something to say to those pussy owners who, who either own up to not wanting oral, um, or something to say to them to maybe have them try it again. Do you have any advice for those folks? Yeah, I have found that for many people who don't like giving or receiving oral sex, it's often because they find that they're stuck in their head and they're spinning out in their anxiety and their concerns. So for people who are receiving pussy eating, it might be, what do I smell like, taste like, look like, am I taking too long? Is this person bored? Um, and it's such an experience of insecurity that it becomes an experience of enduring and who in their right mind would enjoy that. And, um, and I talk about pleasure loops in, in, with regards to pussy eating, because I think what can happen is if the giver feels like they're supposed to know what the receiver wants and the receiver is in their head worried about what they smell look like, taste like, et cetera. The giver is going to assume, because they're going to be able to feel there's some disconnection there, the giver is going to assume it's because they're not doing a good job, and the receiver is going to assume it's because they do smell bad, look bad, taste bad, whatever it is, and then they're going to both get more and more disconnected and go into a deeper state of enduring. And so I think the alternative is to start to... Um, have the receivers be more active, indicating what they enjoy with their body motion and with their sounds and or words. Um, having the givers really ground, connect, and affirm. And I just cannot tell you how healing of an experience it was for me. The first time I had a lover look at my pussy with awe and appreciation and adoration and just smell me and taste me and delight in the senses of being with my pussy, it just helped remove so much of the shame that I had for my pussy, my, my beautiful, glorious pussy, because we've grown up in a society that I, mean, I have this memory in eighth grade of this guy walking down the the hallway telling all the women to close our lives because it smelled like fish in the hall oh. right and like I think that there's so many people that have experiences like that of being shamed for pussies as being gross air quotes right and um and so what I have to say is that it's not just on receivers to do some type of mental gymnastics to make sure that they're going to like it again. I think it's very much also on givers to help receivers know how excited they are to be pleasuring, how much they enjoy it, how uh, wonderful it is to have their partner receive, um, that they're enjoying giving simply for the sake of giving, um, telling, and don't tell any lies because people who are hypervigilant will sense that BS right through it, but find what do you appreciate about the pussy? What is um, appealing to the senses? Maybe it's the velvety way it feels. Maybe it's the color. Maybe it's how it glistens with wetness or with the lube and emphasize that so that the receiver can get out of their head and get into their body. So that's from the giving perspective. And then from the receiver's perspective, I would say doing different kinds of embodiment practices so that you can learn how to start focusing on the sensations in your body and tune out some of that mental chatter 
is a really helpful thing, I think, for sex generally, but particularly for something that's as vulnerable as receiving oral sex. The whole, uh, we've talked about this many times before, is um, the just a statement, a, a statement for, especially for the giver saying, I could do this all day, or you have the best pussy because for me, my, my personal law, you know, love language is uh, words of affirmation. And I love to be told that it just turns me on. And I think that's a simple one. I do really love when you talked about the glistening of the pussy or kind of talking about what you're observing right then and there, that's really embodied. That's like a really great practice to have. And if you can't come up with anything right then, I like the, I could do this all day or the, um, okay. you, you know, you have the best pussy ever. Um, but I do think that getting out of your head, I mean, there's been times where I know that I've had a giver doing, I swear they were doing the ABCs. And I was like, please, like why? So communication sometimes can be hard, especially if that person, you can, you can kind of feel their efforts and you don't want to say anything mean or, or downplay, uh, your lack of enjoyment either, because if you're not enjoying it, it's not going to be fun for either of you. So I don't know, is there any way to kind of ease into that communication to yeah. be like, Hey, you're doing the ABCs. <laughs> Maybe don't call. <laughs> Are you doing the ABCs again? Are you having alphabet soup down there? <laughs> well, well, yeah. And I think it's also just important to note that Part of the problem is how men and women are socialized in our society because men are socialized to believe that part of masculinity means that you're supposed to be competent at everything, especially sex. And so they don't stop to ask for directions because somehow that would imply that they're less manly and women are socialized to be emotional caretakers. And so oftentimes in heterodynamics, what they're doing is they're prioritizing their partner's emotional well-being over their own pleasure because they don't want to ask for what they want because they don't want him to feel criticized. And so I think that if we can just embody a same team mentality and realize if the receiver can realize that most givers love being told what the receiver likes because it allows the giver to get out of their head and just enjoy giving. And when I can tell that somebody is really efforting when they're pleasuring me, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll just like reach for a moment of connection. Maybe it might be like, can we just kiss for a moment? Or, um, oh, that feels really good right there. Can you try this? I love the, I'm curious what it would feel like if, and could you try this? Because then the receiver doesn't have to love it. They can just say, let's experiment and try it. And then they can be like, nah, go back, or maybe this instead. And it keeps the discourse really open as though this is like a co-exploration that we're engaging in together. Can you focus on quarter after 12, please? <laughs> you know, I often my spot. <laughs> my favorite metaphor for the pussy, for those of you that have ever been to Burning Man, I often describe the vaginal canal like the playa, mm -hmm. where the entrance to the vaginal canal is Esplanade. And as you go deeper into the canal, you're going from like A Street to whatever L, maybe the cervix is at L. And the top of the pussy is 12 o'clock. So if you're putting your fingers in and going up towards the pubic bone or the G spot, that's 12 o'clock. And if you're going down towards the anus, that's six o'clock. And so rather than just the ruler that I referenced earlier, where you're only playing along the 12 o'clock spectrum, what is it like if you actually discover and explore the vaginal cavity as a 360 tunnel, right? As, as a depth and as all the way around. And I think that 
one thing that can be really powerful to help receivers expand their capacity for pleasure is to learn how to differentiate between places, different places in their pussy that they can receive sensation. And so part of that can happen through a massage that's not even necessarily geared towards orgasm, but is more geared towards let's discover every inch of you and figure out what feels good and what kind of pressure you like and what kind of speed you like. And have you ever been touched here? And the first few times this happened to me, I would have to say, where are you touching me right now? Can you tell me? Because I didn't yet have that mental awareness to be able to, 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 to know myself so intimately. And now through enough of this, I can feel it on so many different parts of my, of my pussy, which helps me actually activate different neurological pathways that encompass different parts of the pussy that allow me to have categorically different kinds of orgasms. Oh, and we're going to get to these different types of orgasms soon, everyone. Now they're like, wait, what, 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 there's different types of orgasms? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what I, I want to maybe finish covering before we dive into the orgasms. I wanna, it sounds so nice, diving in orgasms. <laughs> um, finish the other pieces that you're speaking to. Because well, we covered three of the tenets now, right? We've talked about, yeah, every pussy is different. Uh-huh. Uh, we've talked about how to have pleasure loops through communication and co- co-exploring, slowing it down. That's really that that um, affirming the pussy, um, helping the receiver know how much you're into giving. I always say pussies need permission to relax and know it'll last. Mm-hmm. So my favorite sentence to hear uh, is, let's see who has to tap out first. Oh. Competition. I love that. Yeah. Cause then it's like my pleasure. Like I'm a very competitive person, but then it's like, Oh, that means I win. If my pleasure is too big. Yes. Like I want that permission to just let my pleasure be as big as it can be because the number one factor that is most likely to determine how much pleasure I have when receiving pussy eating is how much I can tell that the giver is a loving giving. Because then I don't have to worry about them and I can just focus on receiving and I don't have to subconsciously dampen my pleasure because I'm worried it's too much for them or I want too much. Also, I have a, a thing that, so for me, um, a couple of my, my first couple oral sex experiences, I'm sorry, not oral sex, but first a couple of my sexual experiences that involved touching of genitals, like the first four maybe, um, did not involve anyone going down on my pussy, nor did involve me asking for it. And then when people started to go down my pussy, it often felt ticklish and, and I had like a ticklish squeamish kind of thing that would come about. And my, um, my guess is that it's often just, it's just, I'm just not relaxed. It just feels like that's what any part of my body, when it's touched in a way where my body's not ready for it, um, it can feel it's overwhelming in a, in a way. Um, so would that apply to this category, what you're talking about? If someone were to say that, hey, when people go down to me, it feels kind of ticklish and squeamish, would you say that it's often the, the pacing is a little, maybe a little too fast? Oftentimes pacing is a really big thing um, because what we want is that blood flow to rush to the pussy. When people are self-lubricating, the reason why they're self-lubricating is because blood flows to the pussy and blood plasma seeps through the vaginal walls. Mm -hmm. And so what we're wanting to do is give somebody enough time to be turned on that they're 
that their body is responding, whether they're self-lubricating or not, that's one thing that happens. Their labia becomes darker, their clit will get swollen, their cervix will start to distend into the vaginal canal. All of these biological changes start happening that make somebody ready to receive penetration or just any kind of stimulation and sensation and pleasure play. And so oftentimes tickling is an activation of the sympathetic part of the nervous system, and it's a lack of relaxation and grounding in the parasympathetic. And so one thing that I'll do if I notice that somebody's feeling a little ticklish is I'll put my hand over the, the mound of their, of their pussy, and I'll just kind of hold it. I'll cup it. And I'll hold it and maybe I'll breathe with them or I'll put one hand on their pussy like that and one hand on their heart. Um, or I'll just like stroke their hair and come back up to their face and kiss and, and, and um, kind of connect on a more eye contact level that can also create a lot of safety. So things that can be really good for safety is breathing together, eye contact, and, um, and tender touches like stroking of the hair in the face. Um, that kind is of that thing. a pussy hug when you cup the hand? <laughs> it is, is it? a pussy hug. Uh, <laughs> I like those. Yeah. I like those too. I, I think we can uh, accredit Midori for that one. I think she calls it the pussy hug. I mean, a lot of people do, but I don't. I mean, she may be the first person to call it the pussy hug. I like that. Great. I hadn't heard it yet. Give my pussy a hug. Okay. So okay. So we have slowness. What's so then the fourth one? What's the fourth one? Know how and when to ramp it up. And so this um, would include all of the different hand movements and tug movements that are possible because what happens, and I think this is particularly true for uh, people who like to both give and receive oral uh, uh, pussy eating, is that I know for me in the very you know beginning of my pussy eating explorations, I would do what I liked to have done to me. Um, and oftentimes it's helpful to know what the full menu of options is so that you can actually see what the individual is wanting in that moment. And so, um, having a sense of, uh, different ways that the tongue can move. And I would say that one thing that is important to note for being able to vary what you're doing with your tongue is if you're using the point of your tongue, the tip of your tongue versus the flat of your tongue. Because if you're using the tip of your tongue, it's going to feel more intense and powerful. And if you're using the flat of your tongue, it's going to feel softer and more soothing. Mm -hmm. um, and then with regards to your fingers, if you're um, crossing your fingers like you would do for saying good luck to somebody, and you're doing any kind of vaginal stimulation with your fingers crossed like that, that's also going to make it much more intense than if your fingers are side by side. Mm -hmm. And so there are certain things that you can do to moderate the intensity, but then also just having an understanding of what, you know, the various moves are that are out there is really helpful um, so that, that you know what the different things are to do and how to create diversity of sensation. Because I think that that's typically what people really like is not when something is changing, bam, 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 and there's a lack of capacity to settle into something, but also not when it's just the same thing nonstop, because then you kind of get a little dull to it. Mm -hmm. um, and then remembering that when somebody says, don't stop, yeah. it means don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> yeah. Most people go faster, harder, deeper. They're like, go, and they run for it as fast as they can. And then, you know, that's a, a typical misstep that I see. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And yeah, that, and there's, I also noticed with my pussy and I've heard this from a lot of other pussy owners that, um, the, and probably just genital owners in general, but I think I've heard some more vocal owners that the, the sensation and the desire, if you're really following the thread, it can change so quickly, like so quickly. It can be like a little to the right, more pressure. Oh wait, no, 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 no that's too much. And, and into just, it's really a, this kind of, you're fine. It's a finely tuned instrument that you're really playing and listening to. And part of that is embracing the constant shifts and changes and understanding that because someone's desire for a technique or pressure changes, that doesn't mean they're saying that you're doing it wrong or bad. You know, it's just that that's what happens with bodies. If we're really listening, things change and hopefully we're being vocal about that and doesn't mean anything bad. This one time, I, <laughs> I had this awesome, amazing hookup in Palm Springs with this other couple. And she, the um, the woman in the relationship, was so good. She took me in the bathtub. And because it was such good pussy eating and it was in a bathtub, I was bruised. My whole spine was bruised the next day for like a whole week, but it was really bad the next day. And I remember thinking to myself, holy shit, how can I teach my husband? Because at the time I was married, uh, what she did. And I tried and I, I just could not describe exactly how she she applied pressure and where the tongue was. And I also realized it was super hot because of the the moment and what, you know, what we were experiencing. Uh, but I, I did watch some Nina Hartley videos on eating pussy, trying to mimic that whole situation. Uh, but when it's really good, you don't even know you're getting bruised. So there's something to, to work towards there. And I actually did go down on her as well, but I don't think I was doing as good of a job as she was. No, she didn't have any bruises. At least I didn't think so. Um, which brings me to a really good question, safer oral, because I wasn't practicing safety at all during that experience. And I know there are methods for safety and people don't realize that you can get STIs, uh, you can get STDs, um, whether or not they're considered the same thing at this point, I'm not sure. However, uh, I would love for you to share because you are definitely very well uh, keyed in this in an orchestra, if you will. <laughs> so can you, in this, on this instrument, can you share with our listeners, please, Allie? Thank you. Yes. Um, so the only thing that's safe sex is abstinence. So we talk about safer sex because all safe assume, all sex assumes some amount of risk. So it's just important to note that. Um, oral sex, uh, we don't have the best data on risk, risk of transmission because if you think about it, it's not as common that people are having just oral sex and not penetrative sex. So we don't have the best data on uh, rates of transmission, but um, you are absolutely correct that we can uh, acquire STIs from oral sex. And the best things to do if you want to practice the safest oral sex is to use uh, gloves, uh, which are good barriers for your hands. And this will help if you have any open cuts or wounds in your hand. Uh, also, as a side note, is really great if you have longer nails. And um, especially as uh, a woman, when I'm pleasuring women, my nails are probably longer than they might be used to. And so I will wear gloves sometimes just simply to protect against scraping and scratching them with my nails. And then dental dams, uh, which are a good measure. I will say this. I have found that dental dams are not 
a lot of fun because they're thick and they're a little powdery and they're often um, a color that's hard to see through and they're not very big. Um, and what I tend to use, and it's an important caveat to say that this is not FDA approved, uh, but what I will use is saran wrap. And it's really important that you don't get microwavable saran wrap because it's microwavable because it has holes in it. And the same holes that let steam through will also let bacteria through. So get the non-microwavable saran wrap. And what I like about it is it's thinner, it's see-through, and you can get a much larger amount of it to cover a much wider area. And what I will do is I'll have the receiver hold the saran wrap on their um, stomach above their pubic bone. And then I'll use one of my hands to hold the bottom edge so that it's taut. Because the worst thing is when the saran wrap gets bunchy. And so if I'm, and I don't have four hands, I wish I did. So if I want one hand to penetrate and one hand to hold the bottom part of the saran wrap taut, I need the receiver to hold the top part of it. Um, and then you can have the glove on the hand that's penetrating that's going underneath the saran wrap. And sometimes a little bit of lube between the pussy and the saran wrap can be uh, really good. There's also something out there called Laurels, L-O-R-A-L-S, which is the world's first lingerie for oral sex. It's um, latex. You can penetrate through it, right through the underwear, and, um, and they're single use. I also don't know if it's FDA approved yet or not, um, but they're really a wonderful product. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I've never heard of those. Have you heard of those, Jim? No, no it's not, it sounds pretty amazing. So they look sexy and they're still safe, obviously. Yep. And the FDA, yeah, bless their hearts, mm-hmm. but come on, you just pay them enough <laughs> money and they'll approve anything at this point. Yeah. Hopefully they're not listening. FDA, why are you listening to our podcast right now? Get back to your jobs. Um, okay, so what is the oh, another thing? One thing I wanted to say about the gloves. To another the reason why gloves I think can be really helpful, or even all of these barriers, is if someone is really prone to bacterial infections like yeast infections or uh, bladder infections, it is just less likely to transmit things that can cause those. For so for the receiver, they can be helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Sexy black gloves yeah. that that actually look really cool. Yeah. Yes. I like the black gloves as well because I don't really particularly have a medical fetish. Yeah. Uh, and so the black gloves feel distinct. What is the fifth tenet of champ <laughs> quality pussy eating? I love that you're keeping us on, on target. I'm good at this. <laughs> you're so good at this. Um, the last one is you know, uh, how to mix it up. And so what I really like to talk about here is how to use toys and also how to incorporate anal pleasure as ways to mix it up because, and then also different kinds of escalation patterns so that you're not always going to, first we kiss, then I play with your ear, then I kiss your stomach on the way down, and then I bite your left thigh and then your right, you know, so that it doesn't feel quite so predictable. Um, and there are some really fun toys out there that uh, I think work really well in conjunction with oral sex. I would say that having a G-spot stimulator, which is any kind of curved dildo, is an essential toy to have in your toolkit because um, it, for me, I know that my hands or my wrists will often tire. And I also am, 
have God's joke of the world's smallest hands. I can't <laughs> my own G spot. Just it's a cruel joke. Um, and so having a G spot stimulator is really helpful for that. And then um, also having something that can play with the clitoris. Uh, so you could just use your finger. But one thing that I really like is um, they have those small vibrating pads that you can put on the tip of your finger mm. that work really well because they're kind of incognito and they don't get in the way and either the receiver or the giver can have it on. Allie, I'm going to send you Hot Octopus is coming out in July 2019. Uh, a finger vibe that's super sexy. You can wear it like a piece of jewelry. Fits almost all hand sizes, fingers. It's called the Digit. It's going to be out. It's so powerful. I would send you a sample right now, but it hasn't launched yet. But honestly... It's amazing. I have one for myself, so I couldn't send you a gently used one. Otherwise, I would. But, um, <laughs> but it's, been, it's been so great for doggy style and for oral. So check that out, too, when it comes out for our listeners. It's not available yet, but it will be. So I think that's going to be a good one for you to recommend later, too. Perfect. Yeah, thanks for tuning me into that. Those are such such great toys for oral sex. Yeah. And, we, and we'll have it at Pure Pleasure. Oh, yeah, you will. We will have that. And we have all the other things, G-Spot things. You can go to purepleasureshop.com. Y'all get 15% off coupon code, shameless sex in all caps. That's it. That's it for plugs. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I'll, I'll get one at the end. So I'll yes. we'll round it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We have one more plug at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would say anal is another thing that you could think about. And I think that one of the biggest misconceptions when we talk about anal pleasure is that it has to include penetration. I think that sometimes even just um, pleasuring the outside of uh, the anus can feel really good. There are on average 8,000 8, nerve endings in the clitoris, 4,000 in a penis, and 2,000 around the anus. And so um, it's uh, you know maybe not the top two, but it should be missed, I think, in terms of at least a potentiality of a way of mixing it up. And uh, the recommendation for incorporating anal is Go slow, start small, lubrication, communication. Mm -hmm. Yes, I just recorded an Anal 101 episode with Charlie Glickman that I think is going on after this episode. So everyone stay tuned for that. He knows a lot about, about anal and this is not an anal episode. So we're going to just leave you hanging on the anal department. Um, he's okay. A, he's a qualified prostate pro. He knows. <laughs> yeah. We did a prostate episode with him, but this one is, is anal. There's some prostate stuff in there too, but it's just all about the anal and he's wonderful. Oh, um, okay. So last question before we have you tell our listeners more about how they can find you is the orgasm piece that you spoke to earlier. Mm -hmm. um, the different types of orgasms that people can have from, because I think a lot of people might have only experienced just one type of orgasm or they think there's only one way to have an orgasm from uh, having their pussy eaten. So what is the, can you explain more about the diversity of uh, orgasms? Sure. Um, there's some amazing research that's coming out these days about orgasms and how people have them. And they even have put people in MRIs and they have thought themselves to orgasm and their brain lights up in the same way as it does as if they're self-stimulating. Um, when it comes to pleasuring the pussy, there are four main nerve pathways involved with orgasms on or in the pussy. And, um, and one of them, the vagus nerve, which happens when we have stimulation around the cervix and the deeper parts of the vaginal canal, doesn't even go through the spinal cord. So you could be a paraplegic and still have a vagus nerve orgasm, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. And what happens is, is that most people will have an external clitoral orgasm, and that's usually the pudendal and maybe the pelvic nerve that's involved with that. 
And then uh, many people feel cash. They're like tapped out. They're overly sensitive. They don't really want more stimulation. And so what's happening is, is I like to think, and if there are any MDs out there, please apologize. My apologies if this analogy is a little crude, but I like to think of these nerve pathways as riverbeds that go from my pussy to my brain. And the more energy that I send along one of these nerve pathways, it deepens the riverbed. And it makes it easier to then continue to send energy along that nerve pathway. So if I'm very used to having an external clitoral orgasm, that means that my pudendal nerve pathway is going to be really well defined and formed and very easy or easier to send energy and thus orgasm to my brain along this nerve pathway. And so... In order to increase your capacity for pleasure by having different kinds of orgasms, and one way to have multiple orgasms is by having uh, orgasms in different parts of the pussy, is by learning how to stimulate other areas of the pussy where other nerve endings live. So um, G-spot is going to be more of your uh, pelvic and maybe some hypogastric. When you get into the cervix, that's going to be more hypogastric and the vagus nerve. If you're doing anal stimulation, that's going to be more hypogastric nerve. And of course, it's not like clear cut, but when you're pleasuring, like for example, the the pussy is a clock, as a 360 um, tunnel, right? Then you're actually going to be creating stimulation along more nerve endings that are going to allow you to have the opportunity to incorporate more of your body into your experience of pleasure and thus increase your capacity for pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I recommend to people that tend to have external clitoral orgasms and then not want to experience more pleasure is to put that orgasm on the shelf for a little while. You don't have to give it up forever, but to just see if you don't allow yourself to send pleasure to your brain in the way that you're used to, and you sit with maybe the frustration that might come up, it really helps having a patient lover who's not goal-oriented, removing orgasm as the goal. The goal now becomes exploration and self-discovery. Um, or co-exploration, then, then you're allowing yourself to, to reprioritize from getting off to seeing what other sensation is possible. If I allow myself to marinate in the stimulation and the, and the building of this experience, rather than going for the short thing. Mm. I, uh, I love that. And I remind me of something I'm doing right now. You are, you're not a sexological body worker, right? You haven't done that training. Okay. Um, I've been doing, uh, I'm doing my second session with uh, River, who's up in the Bay Area, um, a vulva mapping session with River. Um, and and uh, I'm learn, learning that by having my pussy touched in this way, that's a very um, healing way, but it's also for the means of, of me learning and healing. I'm seeing all the different areas that I have sensation that are just aren't usually touched or that I override and that there's so much available there when there is this slow exploration of like you're saying, I like how you said this 360 clock tunnel. Um, and we've only done external, uh, external touch in the last session, the next session, if my body is ready and willing, we'll go and do some internal stuff to, to see where there is sensation, where there isn't sensation in, in rating it on that. She does a negative three to three, meaning, you know, zero is, not it's numb or not a lot of sensation negative three would be pain and three would be lots of pleasure and 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 it's so interesting to see 
the diversity of where I have sensation, where I don't have a lot of sensation, and then also how quickly it changes. And um, I could imagine that by by exploring these different areas, that there's so much possible. It's all connected, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've I'm, I'm been really, really loving that. And I'm going to do one more shameless plug for that then, because I talked about this before, but if everyone wants to learn more about that work, go to uh, River Drosera, that's D-R-O-S-E-R-A dot life. They do some online sessions and they also uh, see people in person. Have you ever done a vulva mapping session before? I have, uh, not not in the Bay Area. Okay. Yeah, is is powerful. We're at, in April, you're getting involved in a mapping session from Dolly on Thursday. Tomorrow, Thursday. Yeah. So that'll be my first experience. I'm actually... I'm like, I, I'm open. I don't know what to experience. I have some trauma on um, my labia majora. And so I'm interested to explore and hopefully release some of that because I don't think that I ever have. And it's pretty sensitive. So I'm really interested in that. But I had uh, some trauma on my cervix and I really was able to work through oh. that um, with this kind of work. And it's been really powerful. And I would just have to say one other thing about expanding capacity for pleasure is I know a lot of people with pussies out there that don't like cervical stimulation. Mm-hmm. And there's some research out there that says it takes on average about 45 minutes of stimulation before somebody is really ready to receive cervical stimulation. So if you're not liking cervical stimulation, it might just be that your pussy hasn't had adequate time to surrender and receive something so deep and intense and, and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I What I'm learning about my pussy is as I learn more and more, it needs a lot of time. It needs my whole body. It needs, it needs so much. I am not like a five minutes, you know, whatever, and then bury your face in my pussy. I am so so beyond that so so if y'all have time call me at 555 just kidding don't call me (laughs) before i guess uh because our listeners of course will probably want to know how they can work with you and if you have any upcoming workshops in the bay area i know you also mentioned that you have something free as a gift for our listeners so uh, can you share all those things with us please i sure can so my website is turn on that love And you can go there to find out all the workshops that I'm offering. I teach about 15 different workshops and I'm continually rolling out new ones. Workshops will be going online this year as well. Uh, I also do coaching in person in the Bay Area, both in San Francisco and Oakland, as well as virtually. And so you can find out more about that on my site. And um, I have a free gift. So if you go to turnon.love slash free gift, you'll get this PDF handout with four different handouts that are really useful, including a guide to my pussy, which is essentially a Mad Libs that you can fill out. So April, if you and I were lovers, and then what we would do is we would fill out each a version about your pussy, and we would fill out each a version about my pussy, and then we would compare the Mad Libs about your pussy and the Mad Libs about my pussy so we could see like how much are we on the same page. And also maybe there are things I don't even know about my pussy and then we can explore and fill in the blanks together. And that's so playful and fun. I love Mad Libs always. So I don't do enough of that. That's fun. Maybe we should just do it just to see what we get. <laughs> Comparison. Oh yeah, where do they get the free gift? I think you said it, but can you say yeah. it one more time? Turn on dot love slash free gift. Oh, wow. This was so great. I feel like I can probably be a champ at eating pussy. And Amy, although you don't want to eat pussy, maybe you can share this with people that eat yours. Can I practice on you, Chip? Oh, shit. <laughs> Somebody tells me you're a champ quality receiver, even if you're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> April's really good at receiving. Uh-huh. Yes, I am. Uh, well, I would love to have you back again. We we absolutely just adore you. You and your, all the work you're doing. Congrats on all your successes and for being such an incredible asset to this planet and uh, to pleasure seekers everywhere. So thank you. And Thank you to all of our listeners that tune in every Tuesday for the Shameless Sex Podcast. We absolutely love you all. And we'll see you next Tuesday, folks. Ciao for now. Bye, everyone. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.